Hi, honey. My name is Travis. I'm a psychic medium, and this is Psychic Happy Hour, a podcast designed to help you along your spiritual journey while having a few laughs along the way. Join me and some of my special guests as we dive into various topics around life and what lies beyond. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. Welcome back to Psychic Happy Hour. I am so excited that you guys are here to listen to this conversation with someone who I have been just such a fan of on social media. And now I get the amazing privilege to have a conversation with her today. My guest is Dr. Lenore Matthew, who is a doctor of social work with an expertise in research, evidence-based practice, trauma and grief, and a trained evidential psychic medium. She's also a young widow by suicide loss. Her ability of mediumship opened up when her late husband unexpectedly passed away by suicide. Welcome to Psychic Happy Hour. Dr. Lenore Matthew, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh my goodness, Travis, thank you for having me. My heart is full. I have full goosebumps already. I'm just thrilled to be here in space with you. I am so grateful. You know, it's so funny when I'm reaching out to guests because I never know like who's going to say yes, who's going to be like, oh, not today. So when I sent you the message to be on the show, I was just so grateful that um, you were willing to be here. So thank you so much for your time, energy, and expertise today. It's going to be a really great conversation. So just kind of diving in, I would love it if you would just share with people, you know, I know your story. I've been following your story, you know, for a while on social media, but I would love if you would share with our listeners, you know, a little bit about who you are and how we got here today. Yes. Um, So first of all, again, thank you. When I received your invite, I was like, absolutely. There's zero (laughs) hesitation. I saw it and like, yes, absolutely. Tenfold yes. Um, And a big part of that is because you bring so much light to this space. Mm -hmm. And that's really, as someone who's living through still very traumatic grief, Mm -hmm. that's just such an uplift to feel in the physical body. So thank mm. you for that. Thank you. Um, how we got here. So three and a half years ago in mm-hmm. 2020, um, my late husband, Bruno, passed away. He took his life by what I call unexpected suicide. So mm-hmm. by that, I'm, it's not a clinical term. It's not a formal term, but that's the term that I've come to adopt and use in that there were no signs at all outwardly at the Mm -hmm. time that he was, that even he was suffering, let alone suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, We were living abroad. We were expats. We were from two different countries. And we have, funny I say that in the present tense, we have, yes, we still have a beautiful life together. Mm -hmm. At that Mm -hmm. moment, you know, it was like everything on paper was perfect. We had great careers. Um, We'd been together for 13 years. We were in love. We had amazing friends and still very much do. I mean, it was just like life was great. Uh, Or so I thought. And I started having, I didn't realize this until the morning after he passed, but I had started having premonitions about three months before he died. Um, They began in the first week of December, 2019. I would later learn he left several letters and documents and writings that I found after he passed. Um, 
And I found out that he had started writing letters about how he wanted to end his life the same week that I began having premonitions. And so my premonitions were I saw his funeral, I saw just really things, things that honestly quite terrified me because I'd never had experiences like this before. Mm-hmm. I'm a social worker, so I'm you know a sensitive person. I work mm-hmm. in a helping field. Social workers tend to be quite empathic. I mean, any of us who work in a service industry, we by service, I mean human service, right? Um, including mediumship, well, especially mediumship, but social work, nursing, um, you know, dentistry, anywhere we're serving human beings, we tend to be sensitive in some way. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that I was just a really good social worker because I could feel things about people or know them or sense their energy, but it never occurred to me that it was something paranormal or, or beyond that. And I certainly never had mediumistic experiences with spirit. Mm-hmm. The night that Bruno, so Bruno passed in the morning um, and I found out uh, it's still just so raw and I have done all the therapy, all the work and it will <laughs> always be raw. Mm-hmm. Um, it will always be raw. But that night, so I was crammed into a hotel room around the corner from the police station with his best friends, my best friend, we're all crammed in a hotel room together. And all of a sudden the window just swung open and of the hotel room. And as it swung open, there's dogs going crazy in the street beneath us. I mean, we're in an urban area in the middle of downtown. There's no reason, there are no street dogs where we were. Dogs are going barking on the street below. And then I just feel this fog of my husband around me and inside me, just, Mm. just me. He is me. I am him. He is inside me. And I know it's him. Mm -hmm. And I sit up in bed in the pitch black dark. And I tell him, I say, I know it's you. I know it's you. Please explain Mm -hmm. to me, tell me what to do. I have no idea what to do. I can't like, I'm just, I can't even fathom this, that this Mm -hmm. has happened. And it took about a year until sometimes even I still have moments of like Bruno's past like Bruno's dead are you kidding me but it was I mean very traumatic grief it was months before I could even wrap my head around the fact that he had passed but in this moment I just asked him tell me what to do and a few like clairvoyant things happened I very quickly felt like instantly fell into a deep meditative state Mm -hmm. and and then he showed me we're at this purplish body of water Mm -hmm. We're on the coast of it, on the on the sands. I can tell, I can feel the sand beneath my feet. I can feel the sun on my face. I And this is all in a, a vision, right? In the hotel room. I can smell like barbecue. I can taste like beer. I can hear music. I can feel our friends around us all dressed down like flip-flops, soccer jerseys. He's Argentinian, so soccer is like their religion, right? Um, and we're- <laughs> <laughs> <They're wearing laughs> jerseys. Uh, and I feel Bruno all around but I know he's not there and I can feel the energy of the people with us and I feel incredible love and incredible sadness and I know just I know what he's telling me and I tell him out loud I know what you're saying I know he wants a celebration of life exactly that Mm-hmm. And we'd never talked about death before. And we were in our mid thirties when he passed. Mm-hmm. And in my family, we, we bury, but I know he's telling me he wants to be cremated and offered to this river. And this is, I know the river, I know the beach is his hometown. And so I said, okay. 
his messages kept coming and coming daily, 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 multiple times a day for weeks. Six weeks later, I finally see a medium. I'd never seen a medium before. I had no idea what a medium was. I thought it was, you know, psychic medium. I had no idea what the difference was. But mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend who, like me, is extremely analytical. And she said, have you thought about seeing a medium? I was like, this is just wild. Like, this is nuts. Everything is nuts. Mm-hmm. And so I put it up to Bruno. I said, show me who to go to if you want me to do this. And I like slammed my computer shut a few times researching people. Like, this is just, I can't, I, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, this is just too wild for me. But mm-hmm. I saw a medium. One of the first things that he told me was he recounted that exact first experience with the river, with the cremation. That guy knew nothing about me. That medium knew nothing about me. I wasn't on social yeah. media. And that was the moment when I realized like, Bruno's still here. Yeah. This is real. Whatever mm-hmm. this mediumship thing, I didn't even know it was called mediumship at the time, but whatever this is, this is real. And the third thing I realized is like, I, I'm able to talk to him. Like we're still connected. That's, That's so it- beautiful. I I love all of that. And so you know, there is, I think, you know, and I know you know this, but a big difference between mediumship or connecting with our loved ones for ourselves, mm-hmm. and then going out into the world and doing it for other people. Yeah. And I know right now you're on a bit of a break from seeing one-on-one clients because you're working on some beautiful research that I'm so excited to talk about today. <laughs> yes. But when you did decide to take on clients, you know, how did you decide that, okay, I have this connection with Bruno. I'm having these experiences. When did you decide, okay, I want to use this ability to connect to other people's loved ones and help them? Oh, such a good question. So it was a month after Bruno started coming to me that other spirit, I have goosebumps all over. Oof, Mm. I'm a very sentient medium. And so like the very first confirmation I'll get a spirit is just goosebumps like a blanket head to toe. So that is that. Um, the It was a month, exactly one month after Bruno passed. And he was coming to me again, being a researcher too. Like I'm a researcher. Like mm-hmm. this makes no sense to me, but it, it was also the realest thing I'd ever experienced. So being the researcher that I am, I documented everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, pictures, videos, automatic writings, um, Every experience that I had, I had this like matrix that I still do of the experience, date, time it happened, who was with me, objectively what happened, subjectively what did I feel. I mean, I wanted to like just capture this, A, because I knew it was important, and B, for other people to believe. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it was like I needed to believe myself, but I knew that this was something mm-hmm. bigger, and this ties into how I got into doing readings. Um, but I also knew that just It was like, it was just, again, so wild. I had to make sure that I was keeping track of this in some way. But it was one month after Bruno passed that the first uh, spirit person who was not Bruno came to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a friend's loved one. I actually never knew the spirit person in physical life. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew her, obviously her loved one. Mm -hmm. And she came to me and I just knew exactly who she was. She came actually with Bruno in. And I wrote down her message. I could feel her. We could dynamically communicate. And this this happened a few times until eight months after Bruno passed. And I'd uncovered enough about why he took his life. At least I had my why, which is the biggest 
mm-hmm. pain point that any suicide loss survivor has is why, 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 why? And I had uncovered what happened to him. I didn't know about it in the physical. I looking in the when he was in the physical world, looking back, all the signs were there and my human body could not understand it. But I uncovered that he was horrifically abused as a child. Um, oh, and I'm still finding out things about it even today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had uncovered enough and had I addressed it, I guess is the word that I'll use enough in the human sense to a place where I felt there was closure for him mm-hmm. and then by extension for me. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was about eight, nine months. And at that point I had no choice but to finally face myself, my grief and my mediumship. Mm. And I felt Bruno's energy shift. I knew he was releasing from what he had gone through. I know that he was healing in his space. He didn't avoid his, his pain. He couldn't mm-hmm. We take our lives. We don't get a clean slate. We have to deal with it on the other side as he's shown me. Mm-hmm. And he was very much still healing from it. And I do feel that he had remorse around having to do that there, mm-hmm. but he did. And we held space for each other. But it was at that eight months where I was like, okay, this isn't going away. And I just had this gut knowing that my way forward had to be around mediumship in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I felt an obligation, quite frankly, since this opened up for me in grief and in suicide and being a young widow, I felt, an, and this is kind of an egoic human side obligation that mm-hmm. I felt of how could I not do this for other people? Yeah. How could I not? And so I went back to that first medium who I trusted very much by now. And I'd seen a couple other, two other mediums in the meantime, one was also a therapist. So I'm going to mediums as well, who kind of know my world of social work and and mental health, because I'm like, I don't know who to trust. Like you're so vulnerable, Mm -hmm. so vulnerable. And I bring that close in the work Mm -hmm. that I do now. Like we are so vulnerable after loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back to him and he said, well, Lenore, you know, you have some of this. And I hadn't told, I was also, I'm like the client from hell, to be honest. Like when I see mm-hmm. mediums, so like closed lips, like I give no hints, like I'm yep. terrible. I'm one of those clients. It's like, please just like, you know, trust her. And, you know, it's fine. Like yeah. I've learned, them. but I'm again, I'm skeptical in the beginning. Of course I am. Totally. Yeah. But I'm totally closed-lipped. Actually, my first reading with him, we joke about it now. I went with a list, a hidden list. I had it hidden behind yeah. the screen a list of 28 questions yep and I was like if he doesn't answer all these in some way this is a scam it's a farce turns totally. out right turns out later on he's like would you understand 28 being an important number between you and Bruno and I'm like oh my god I love that <laughs> yeah but anyway I'm so sorry this is taking like long-winded way of, of answering how I got to readings yeah. but so he said you know you have this and so I decided I was like Bruno show me what to do yeah. and so I started training and he led me exactly to who I needed to train with. My first teacher was actually a psychologist whose abilities opened up when her partner passed. Mm. I had no idea about that when I found her. And yeah. it was very soon I started taking clients for readings. Yeah. And so I did that. I took clients for readings, both psychic and mediumship, for over mm. a year. But yeah. I always knew in the back of my mind that that was not supposed to be my, like the end of the trajectory. Cognitively, I could not do research. I mean, I was in traumatic loss. I'm trying to pick the pieces of a life totally obliterated. My career was like my home. So many things were lost when he died. 
so many I mean I, I died when he died mm-hmm. and trying to pick up my human life the pieces of my human life absolutely shattered when he crossed and so it's like this dance between wanting to help people and also barely surviving myself and dancing in the world of spirit and then coming back to human life of what the hell is this that life has served me mm-hmm. and all the while I'm, I'm innately a very positive person so like I know that there is there's light and there's purpose in this but it's also like all of this like be grateful vernacular that happens in loss <laughs> gratitude can take a back seat right now I'm literally trying to breathe <laughs> right so yeah so that's how I started readings and it was it was beautiful. It was absolutely sacred. I mean, just absolutely sacred. Um, but I felt a shift in September mm-hmm. of last year of 20, what is it? 2022. And I knew that I was shifting out of doing one-on-ones and quite similarly to social work. Like I never, I knew I never was going to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. I always did research and like the nerdiest part of research. I do evaluation research, which is like, Nobody wants to do evaluation research and I love it. I thrive on it. <laughs> Give me all the macro data. Um, and I never also in my doctorate, I never really understood why am I so adamantly tied to doing big evaluation research where I so I worked at the UN, I worked for different humanitarian organizations. Yeah. And that's where I did my research. And my career was quite literally show me the data so I know that this exists. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in September. My gut was going back to, I'm ready to go back to that work. I love that work and bring that into the space of mediumship. Mm-hmm. So I still do readings in context of my research right. now. Mm-hmm. We can get into how wild those interviews are. Uh, <laughs> but it brought me back to, to kind of full circle, but also it brought me back to, like I needed that chapter of yeah. doing one-on-one work and also Dems to understand this world and to believe it and also to build a network of beautiful people who and souls on the other side in this one who are opening up to this world and innately skeptical of course we are especially when we're vulnerable and so yeah so it kind of came full circle and it's now leading into this new chapter of work in mediumship it's so exciting for me just to watch your your expansion in this because I feel like I found you I'm not really quite sure when I started following you exactly but I feel like you know the algorithm brought us together <laughs> at such a such a unique point because I I feel like when I found you I know that you were doing private readings yeah. and for me I actually found you when like my mediumship my mediumistic skill set had started to really kind of expand. Mm. And so it's been so beautiful watching your expansion and where you're, you know, where you're kind of, where you're going and where you're heading. But on the note of, you know, sharing on social media and being so vulnerable, because I mean, you share every single bit of your story. And I mean, if you're holding back, I couldn't imagine what you're not sharing. Um, because it's, but it's so real and it's so raw. And at no point, it's so interesting because the way you share, it never feels like an overshare. It never feels like here I'm dumping everything on social media. You're sharing from such this vulnerable, authentic place. What has that been like for you sharing some pretty intimate and at times for some people, I would imagine triggering things and putting it out there? And how has that felt for you? Hmm. 
Thank you for saying that, first of all. I always wonder, I'm like, does anyone read this? I don't know. But if not, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like I know Bruno. Like at this point, like, you know, I, you know, I just, I think that you share it though, again, just in such a way that it feels really authentic and it feels genuine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think actually I joke about, does anyone read this? Because when I opened my account, my Instagram account and my blog, it was, it was January. So 10 months after he passed. And it was because I had to put it somewhere. I had to put what I was going through somewhere. I couldn't take it in my body. Mm -hmm. And, and I laugh about, does anyone read it? Because it never really occurred to me in the beginning that anybody would. Mm -hmm. I almost wanted to create a journal that I couldn't lose because I lose everything. So a journal mm -hmm. that would be in some cloud somewhere and that was time stamped. So I could go back and look at myself. And I told myself, I remember the day I opened my, my IG and my blog, I was like, five years from now, I'm going to look back on this and I know I'll be different. Mm -hmm. And that was the motivation for it. And I think the first people who, the only people really, I think who I connected with were like my sisters on, yeah. on, on Instagram. And it kind of expanded. And I say that tongue in cheek, but the other reason, and this is in my gut, like I don't want to not give service to this. When I was going through what I was going through, I found it really hard to find anyone who could relate to me. And I still do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think we find snippets of that. Like in some ways I relate to the widowhood community. In some ways I relate to suicide community and suicide loss community. In some ways I relate to the social work community and mental health. In some ways I relate to the mediumship community. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I just, wanted to I guess put myself out there and I think innately like it was driven by this gut knowing that there's a community to be formed that's almost like waiting to coalesce and we're all finding each other and it's not based on one single person or one single experience but this mm -hmm. community kind of forms when we all find each other mm -hmm. and on this side and the other side it's, it's wild how our loved ones become a part of our community and our other loved ones begin to meet and bring us to each other and so I share what I share. It's almost like I feel like a tr I'm in like a trance. It's channeled. Every post I write, it feels like I'm in a moment of something and I've got to put it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's what I share. They're actually, maybe terrifyingly, there's actually a lot that I don't share, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of details. There's a, like the triggering details about his suicide. I, I don't share because I don't share. Sure think that that's necessary and that's sure. more of a cognitive dis cognitive decision but it's also a cognitive decision in my mind like there's some things that I just know that I don't need to harp on it in my own experience yeah um and things about you know what happened to him in his childhood like I never name certain actors and that's just not something that Bruno and I feel are, are necessary but that said that's not the important part like the takeaways are the emotional side the takeaways yeah. are the connection um yeah, it's really just a place like I couldn't take it in my body alone yeah. and I had to put it out. You had said something so beautiful earlier about, you know, your ego mm. was what was like causing you to show up, right? Mm. And I think that is something that's so valuable. And when people talk about ego, they talk about it in such like a negative mm. or not great kind of way, right? But like me... I personally align with it. You know, ego is just such a beautiful part of me when it's balanced, when, you know, when, when everything is kind of 
working cohesively together. But, you know, I think that ego can get us to show up and share beautiful messages that are just so needed. And I think if it wasn't for that, a lot of people wouldn't show up and share messages that that the world has needed to hear or put themselves on a stage or do healing work or so I just you know I just wanted to point that out because I think that sometimes we talk about ego and it's like oh ego is bad or or it's it's not this great part or you know don't let your ego kind of take over but the times that my ego has taken over it's led to some pretty good things (laughs) yeah some things that like you know like ah maybe you know I could have lived without that lesson but you know (laughs) But, uh, you know, I just I just want to just say thank you for letting your your ego yeah. uh, share these amazing um, just insights and gifts that you have. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for saying that. And I, I agree. I agree. I think the ego can be I feel like sometimes the ego gives me a big kick in the pants to believe mm-hmm. in myself, mm-hmm. especially when I mean, grief just absolutely obliterates your confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. And I will say, I, I think, in, especially in my career, like I was in a very, you know, hierarchical space and a lot of mm-hmm. imposter syndrome, a lot of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, after Bruno died, like, I, I just, I don't have, I don't have the energy for that anymore. It just hurts yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, I just, I can't stand just, I have no space for drama or negativity in my life anymore. It's just like, can't, no. I've become somewhat of a hermit and <laughs> um, keep my close, my friends very close, my family very close. I have my yeah. yoga, meditation, my nature walks, but, but it's also like, I feel like if I ever feel, and we all do, we're human. Like if you ever feel a moment, you know, we're puffing up our chest and it comes from a place of fear really that is, mm-hmm. or like wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted. Mm-hmm. I immediately feel Bruno next to me every time. And he was the least egotistical person in the world, like the most and almost to to a detriment. And that was really a, a byproduct of what he lived through. It just absolutely crushed him. And he lived with that through his whole life, childhood and adulthood. But yeah. like what I do, and I, I don't know, I don't have anything. I feel like I don't have anything to prove. And I do feel like I am still surviving day to day. And if I had a choice, I probably would choose a different career path that I didn't feel like I had to prove myself because as mediums, we do feel that. <laughs> yeah. But I joke, well, actually, I don't even, I used to joke about, it depends on the mood. I joke about everything, but yeah. I, I have this kind of mantra, I guess, that I say around mediumship. And I say, I shift the burden of proof. Oh. I operate from, I know that this exists yeah. because I live it every day. I know that this exists because the evidence that I've experienced in my body, both of my own connections and with doing now hundreds of readings with other people, there's such evidence that there's no way to dispute that this exists. So I operate from, I know that it's real. That's my baseline. So now how does this impact people? How does it affect our well-being? What are the, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly of doing this work of, you know, as a widow, what are the good, bad, and ugly things about knowing that my husband is with me? And there are some things where sometimes it's painful in that there are moments when I can't connect and then I have to go back into my human self. And that's a really hard part about being a medium or working mediumistically with our loved ones. Those are realities. And so it's also kind of like bringing mediumship down. It's not a panacea, nothing is, but it's a way, a path 
of bringing light and expansion and beauty into a very complex experience of human life. That's beautiful. So you are doing some pretty spectacular research on mediumship ability, how it relates to the, you know, the grieving process. I would love to know just in your research and in your, in your work and what you're willing to share now. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I would love if you could just articulate, I'm, you can articulate your work so much better than I can. Um, so if you wouldn't mind one, just sharing a little bit more about the work and, and the intention behind this fabulous research you're doing, and also the biggest or perhaps the most exciting or surprising thing that you've discovered doing your research. Yes. Oh, thank you for us again. Goosebumps. I guess just the inner nerd, both of our inner nerds are like, yes! yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, okay. So I have launched two studies. One is the first study. And this was again in September when I finally accepted like, yes, I will move. And I told spirit, I put it on, I said, I understand that one-on-ones and Dems like doing direct mediumship work is not where I'm supposed to be right now. And I said to Spirit, and I said to Bruno, I will continue doing mediumship. I love this work, but give it to me in a different way. Give me light. Give me joy. Give me my purpose. Give me this. Thank you. Thank you for giving. But yes, give. I don't mm-hmm. feel demanding mm-hmm. when I work with Bruno and Spirit. Yeah. Uh, but it's a point of desperation, too. And there were different things happening in, in human life. Uh, but it shifted very quickly, very quickly. And it just kind of like sparked, it came to me. So the two studies that I'm doing now. So the first one I've already wrapped up, it's a longitudinal study. And that means over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked with 14 women who are also widows. They were all clients of mine in the beginning. So Pence also like another beautiful synchronicity of why I had to do what I did. They were all mediumship clients of mine that I'd worked with before this research kind of download came to me. So I'd worked with them the previous year, um, bringing forth their their uh, partner in spirit. Um, so the first study was longitudinal. So we took that reading and then I did another reading for them and then the interview. So I looked at how do mediumship readings for people who've lost their spouse or lost their partner, how do mediumship readings affect their grieving process and mental health over time? Mm-hmm. So they'd had at least two readings over the year with me, and then several of them had seen other mediums as well. And I mean, the people who participated in this study are, most of them were very skeptical of mediumship at first. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm just thinking of like, not that our careers define us, but just thinking about some definers or, you know, qualifiers of who people are. I have a doctor who participated, um, a librarian stay-at-home mom and people who are just very, you know, we're humans. We live our human life. Um, Overwhelmingly over. And again, this is qualitative. So I'm talking about subjective experiences, but overwhelmingly they found that the most effective intervention. So looking at mediumship as an intervention, the most effective intervention in their grieving process was seeing a credible, evidential, spiritual, like soulful can understand their grief at medium. And uh, only was it the reading, that first reading, it was that the reading opened up their connection to their loved one on the other side. And then by the time they received additional readings, they not only were in a different place in their grief, and by different place, I mean, they had the will to live. Mm-hmm. They, some of them had had different career moves, or they pursued a different career that was more aligned with them. 
um, different patterns of like movement of the body, taking up things like yoga and meditation, almost all of them, actually, I think all of them, I have to go check, go back and check, but at least most, if not all had had kind of their own sort of spiritual awakening where they're doing things like meditation or um, finding across the board. Um, some are doing somatic body work, different kinds of ways of bringing well-being into their lives. But the overwhelming um, kind of defining characteristic is there's hope for the future. And while that doesn't negate grief because we're all still grieving and we always will, we know they're with us. We may still be skeptical, but we know that there's evidence that says life continues and it continues in a dynamic way. So we're continuing to work together. Wow. Continuing to grow together. Wow. Yeah. That's so incredible. That, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty great. It's incredible. So I'm working on writing up that the research on that now. I'll have it published on my website when it is ready. Um, and then the second uh, study that I'm doing now, I just finished up the first wave of data collection. The second wave will begin in the fall, um, sorry, US fall, so in September. Um, but that is on unexpected mediumship awakenings and grief, which is essentially what happened to me. Yeah. And I've interviewed across the world over 30 people now who had a very similar experience to me in different relational contexts. So mm -hmm. partners, spouses, children, best friends, um, grandparents, um, usually someone very close to them, uh, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily matter if it's your spouse or not, not at all. It's a different person in someone's life who, when that person passed away, they opened up the path towards being able to speak with spirit uh, for the, the individual that I interviewed. And it was kind of across the board. I have defining categories of where the individual is in their experience. So whether they're kind of where I was in the very beginning of this happened, I have no idea what to do with it, all the way up to mediums who are developing, not practicing, and then mediums who are practicing um, and seeing prof clients professionally. Mm -hmm. And though, so I'm actually presenting this in uh, August of 2023 of this year in Norway at the 65th annual international parapsychology conference, which is an incredible wow. organization, parapsychological association, incredible organization that brings together the paranormal and psychology and really looks at it as an objective, in my mm -hmm. case, clinical um, experience. And that research is, I mean, that's my whole heart. Both yeah. of this, all of this research is my whole heart. Um, with the findings from that are suggesting incredible uncanny similarities in our experiences mm -hmm. um in that you know how they happen we uh, how people describe their sentience their their clairvoyance their experiences very similar um of course unique to their experience and again overwhelmingly there's okay so in the beginning there's confusion there's chaos there's shame there's embarrassment there's isolation there's hiding there's self-doubt but or and rooted in that is a knowing that this is this is them. I yeah. can't explain it, but this is them. And then over time, as people are supported in it, and this is so critical, the support piece, both by you know peers, loved ones, but also counselors and even from the mediumship community when we get there, although that tends to happen later on. But when there is support and people lean into their abilities and their continued connection with their loved one, it opens up this world and this way of being that is so big, so beyond our individual selves, even beyond our pain. 
And it really leads people onto a path of their path, their soul purpose, their reason. And it yeah. also helps to facilitate a healing together of the passing and why that happened. And even layers beyond that of the onion of pain that underlies grief. The grief oftentimes just opens us up and then we have no choice but to face everything underneath. Yeah, that's incredible and so fascinating because I, you know, I, I personally love knowing why things work the way they work, mm -hmm. why things happen the way they happen. You know, I was like that kid that was always <laughs> like, but why, but why? Yeah. And so for me hearing some of this and, and also, you know, some of the mechanics of mediumship and why those things work, it's so fascinating. So I just, I'm so excited to read the work that you're doing and, and see it when, when it's available for the public. I'm very excited. So thank you for kind of wetting our palates on what, <laughs> what to expect for, um, for the amazing work that you're doing. So yeah. So now I've got some questions. So I did something that I don't typically do. I opened up to ask, you know, listeners uh, who follow on Instagram and now threads um, <laughs> what, what questions they might have about mediumship. Obviously, they don't know who the guest is, but I just told them it's an amazing medium and we're going to answer some questions. So um, if it's all right with you, I would love to dive into some of those questions with you and get your perspective. Absolutely. So from Instagram, I really like this question because I think sometimes like it's a very simple question, but I think sometimes those simple questions need re-answered. And as we get new information, it always adds a little bit of flavor to them. Mm -hmm. But the very first question is, is what's the difference between mediumship and being psychic or intuitive? Mm, I love that. Oh, that's so that's such a good question. That was one of the first questions I had when this Do opened up. Mm -hmm. Not to, not to jump in, but do you yeah. find when you first asked that question, like when you were just starting out, do you find your answer may have shifted from where you started to where you're at now or the way that you viewed the work has shifted or still the same? I think the baseline is still the same of what a medium mm -hmm. is. Like it's very clear mm -hmm. to me, a medium has the ability to connect to people on the other side. Yeah. Although I, I do believe, and this I, I believe from the evidence that I've seen from somatic work in terms of like somatic healing, energy healing, body work, um, breath work, those kind of ways to manipulate almost as the word or move us into a transcendental mm -hmm. state where we're out of the thinking mind in that mm -hmm. space. I believe that every human being has the, has the ability to communicate and connect to something higher. Agreed. And I believe as well, mediumship, I say it's, it's just speaking another language and mm -hmm. I mean, Bruno taught me his native language, which was Spanish. I taught him mine, which was English. So I think that just having that, and we spoke several languages between us. So I, I think that some people have a proclivity or a kind of a natural innateness to be able to speak another language a little bit more fluently mm -hmm. or, you know, the time to practice and, you know, the, the, the diligence to practice those kinds of things. But I do believe we all are born with an innate ability and a birthright really to be able to connect both to other humans and energy around humans and then outward. But for me, it's very clear to me that mediums can, I don't want to say even fluently. I won't, I won't qualify it with, with a, with an adjective Mediums speak with, with people on the other side with deceased people and animals as well. 
um, to me, a psychic person, and that's where it's a bit nebulous. So to me, as I feel psychic, it is feeling into the energy of another human being, mm -hmm. knowing things just by the feelings that I get, making deductions based on the energy of that person. So I teach an intuitive development class, a trauma-informed intuitive development program, actually, that's really for people who are opening up to their abilities after something like loss. Mm -hmm. Um and in adulthood, when we aren't necessarily aware of them from childhood, which was my case. And I teach it as psychic work is connecting person to person. Mm -hmm. Mediumship is connecting outward to a person on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on our intuition or intuitive abilities, which starts with connection to our own self and soul. Mm. I love that so much. I love that so much. And I definitely align with a lot of what you said. And I, you know, for me as a practitioner, when I first started, I had no idea yeah. that like the amount of self healing and self work that I was going to do was going to be like, like, I thought like, I'm like, oh, like Teresa Caputo does this. Like it can't be, you know, yeah. like when it started for me, it just started happening. I didn't come in saying I'm going to be a medium. Like I started with reading tarot and yeah. then, then channeling messages from guides, which is also a mediumship just in a different kind of different way in my opinion or my, my perspective, but evidential mediumship or connecting into loved ones and bringing forward that evidence. I like, that was not even close to my intention. Mm -hmm. And so like when it started happening, I, you know, like you, I was like, well, I guess I need to like, I need to find a mentor. I need to take some classes. Like I better, you know, really study and, and know what I'm doing because we're dealing with people and their grief and their trauma. And so that's not something to take lightly. Right. So, it's not. um, yeah, so, so, and I think same thing for me, I think the baseline of what those things are, I, I definitely, my opinion or my viewpoint of those hasn't necessarily changed, mm -hmm. but what has been added to it is the self work. Mm -hmm that I just was not taking into account when, when I started, but I'm grateful for it. Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it breaks us open and it breaks us open over repeatedly different yeah. breaks, but, but it's also, we have this, I believe this fortitude, this, we we're, we have tools, we have awareness, we have a different energetic orientation with each iteration that happens. Yeah. yeah. Question not from Instagram, but just from me. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you do you ever when you're with friends or loved ones, do you ever feel a spirit energy come through for them and then feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to give you this message that's coming through? Yes. It has happened yeah. many times. Yeah. Um, and I made a deal with spirit very early on. And I said, if you if you want this, if this message is for this person now, if they are ready to hear it, if their soul is ready to hear it, you need to make it so appear apparent. The onus is on you. Bring them to me. And I'll give an example if, if that's okay, if we have time. Yes, I would love an example. <laughs> Beautiful. So one of my closest, so I live in Hawaii. Um, mm -hmm. I'm on the island of Oahu, at least for this, this season of life. And I love it very much. So I'm, I'm at a yoga class one evening and outdoor yoga, it's dark, it's beautiful. It's a restorative class. I love yoga. Yoga is one of my medicines. And so I'm in yoga 
And I had recently moved here and I'm with a new girlfriend of mine who was just getting into yoga. Lovely human. I just adore her inside and out. Very empathic, um, very empathic soul she is. So we're at yoga and I'm very excited to have new friends in this place that I just moved. I'm like, don't get weird, Lenore. Don't get weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and I know that she'd be comfortable with me sharing this as we've, I've shared it before, um, but we're in yoga and all of a sudden her dad comes to me and I've never met her dad. He passed decades ago, but I know mm -hmm. exactly who he is when he comes and he's just mm -hmm. with me and he's giving downloads, downloads, downloads of information. Mm -hmm. And I tell him as we're in yoga and I'm trying to be very normal, whatever normal means. And I tell him like, listen, you know, I know where, however, I, I don't know how, but I know that, you know, the rules. And if she is supposed to hear this message, please make it clear. Mm -hmm. So we finish up yoga class. I'm tight lift. I'm just like, you know, scuttling to my car, like just, you know, get out of here and be normal. And it's, you know, 9:30 at night, all of a sudden, the biggest, like biggest monarch butterfly I've ever seen in my life mm. flies out of a tree at 9.30 at night. Yeah. And they're not common here either. Definitely not that size. Flies out of a tree, circles us, and then flies away. It was so big. Yeah. I thought it was a bat or something. And she looked and she's like, oh my gosh, that was a monarch. And she starts crying. And she's like, I always think of my dad when I see monarchs. Oh, there it is. And she said, after he passed, my family and I used to go to a monarch, goosebumps all over. She said, we used to go to a monarch farm and honor him. I love that. So, and she knows that I'm a medium. And I was like, listen, my love, like, are you comfortable with a mm -hmm. message? Um, I feel your dad. And she said, absolutely. She's like, I never wanted to push and ask you. We have boundaries and a friendship. She said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we we did a reading um, quite informally and he came through with so much evidence. I mean, just such healing information. Mm -hmm. And the most beautiful, and he comes in all the time now, like he and Bruno come in, they, you know, they bro out, it's very cute. Um, but that. what was the most beautiful part of that? And again, it was with consent and that is the most important part. Yeah. But the beautiful kind of takeaway, it opened up a relationship for the two of them. And she's, I never really worked through and opened up to that experience, right? Of the, the grief and really kind of just experiencing him. And now, I mean, he's here all the time. He comes in with the cutest messages. Uh, we talk about him all the time. And it really, I mean, it's decades later and it's this newfound breath of beauty in that relationship and I'm so honored and I know Bruno is too to be able to be friends with them on this kind of you know multi-level multi-dimensional way but it, it's consent it's consent it's consent and it's really checking the ego of you know as the medium like I know that I have this person I need to say it and not necessarily because of that grief orientation, because of the trauma-informed or orientation of the person, the human receiving it, they may not be in a place to receive it and they may not want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you for answering my question. Um, so back to the Instagram questions, uh, you know, I'm, oh, and, and I'm actually curious about this too, because I love talking to other mediums just about how they work because we're all different we all receive differently mm -hmm. how do you receive information from spirit on a from a mechanical standpoint I love that question thank you for oh thank you for asking uh, right. and I I've been thinking about it actually feeling maybe this is the, the impetus for it I don't know um or this is our breaking open 
And now I feel it all in my throat chakra. So excuse me, as I cough, which is another way that it comes through. Uh, but yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot of just talking with other mediums and getting it out there of demystifying how this yeah. works. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just, I have to say that I said, I love this question. So for me, love it. Yes. So when I do readings, so I'm a very sentient medium, meaning I feel physically and emotionally everything, mm-hmm. everything. So, but how it works for me, if I know a spirit is coming, they always come in on my right side, 45 degrees to my eye. And it's just like, I just feel the presence coming in that way. And then I've learned really through training of what to do. Cause if, and that's a clairvoyant, like I can just like see something coming in. And sometimes it happens like I'll, I'll, just they'll just pop up and I just clearly see them like my friend's dad like I just clearly see them and then I blend with them but I'm very very much a social worker in that capacity of like I just like to talk to them and blend with them and just chat so they come in and then I feel them and then the one of the very first things that I'll experience is their emotions and so I'll feel who they are their character their personality I'll feel if they're super open I'll feel if they're a little bit shy I'll feel if they're reserved I'll feel if they come with a message out of you know that feels more romantic or you know more parental or something like that um and then from there it's it's kind of like it's those are kind of like the when, when I do formal readings that's kind of how it begins again if it comes like with my friend's dad or when other times it just happens out of the blue it kind of just like it's like a door slams open and I realize I recognize someone is with me um more and more I never I usually don't dream and I hardly ever spirit dream I know some mediums do the last few weeks I have been wildly dreaming with spirit and just I mean really beautiful things of there was another friend who's I didn't realize it was her dad but I pieced it together the next day her dad came the night that he passed and we were able to do a reading and help him cross it was beautiful um, but that again is for me, it's extremely sentient, uh, physically and emotionally I'll feel as well. Also, for example, a couple of weeks ago in one of my, my interviews, I did a reading, um, where someone had a, like a physical, um, like a, almost like a medical device on their body and I couldn't quite place it, but I knew that it would be here on my arm and I'm trying mm-hmm. to understand what it is because I feel mm-hmm. things sometimes without necessarily seeing them or like, I'll mm-hmm. see that there's something on my, my arm or my leg and I'll feel it more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I let them know what I was feeling. He, she said, yes, that would be where the medical device was. Um, yeah, it's, there was an interesting yeah. one that happened a couple, oh, this was wild a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I was up in Boston with my very good friend and colleague, um, Kate Stakeholm. She's a medium as well as a therapist. We were doing an event in, yeah, outside of Boston and we're driving on the highway. She's driving. Thankfully I'm in the passenger seat and so we would never go something while we're, well, I don't know, hopefully not. We're driving, at least for me, I haven't been driving while it happens. Um, but all of a sudden we're, so we're driving lots of traffic. It's raining all of a sudden I can't breathe. Like I just, I can't breathe. And I know by now it's not my body. So I just tell spirit, I acknowledge, like step back. And I, I like the only thing I can see, this happens a lot as well with my clairvoyance. They'll mm-hmm. like tunnel vision my eyes. So I can only see one physical thing in my mm-hmm. surroundings. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could see was miles away. There was a factory across the highway. And I said, Kate, was there a fire there? There was a fire. And she's like, I don't know. And as I say that I drop into like my awareness moves me into my lungs and I'm looking around inside my lungs and they're black and like tarred, kind of like Mm charcoaly. And then I come out and I was like, there was absolutely a fire over there. I know that people perished. 
And I asked her, I was like, where are we? And she's like, I don't know. I think we're in like Chelsea or Exeter or something like that. I was like, okay, I got to Google it. And so I Google it. And sure enough, in 1903 and in 1970, mm-hmm. I think two, it was in the 70s, there were two fires in Chelsea where many people perished. So, and I feel like when Spirit gives us those kinds of things, mm-hmm. it's to help us just kind of, I don't know, fine tune our abilities and still continue to understand them. And it's also Spirit just saying yeah. we're here and to send yeah. them out. It's so wonderful to hear just the way that you receive. It's so funny because um, as you're talking about, you know, spirit coming in on the right side and you looking mm-hmm. off like 45 degrees, same thing for me. Really? Like I will, I it's always been on my right side. I'm like, I'll kind of like look over this way, even yeah. though I'm, you know, even though for me, it's just kind of shadowy, but like I'm seeing it here, but like I'm, you know, and um it's always my right side. I always know when I've got spirit present because my my right ear immediately starts ringing and then I sweat behind my knees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, you know, then the rest of my body sweats, right? It's great. So, um, and then I always feel it through my body first and then it's, and then the mental stuff comes through then like the pictures, the words, the sounds. But I always get for me first, it's, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is, you know, and, and, you know, methods of passing, like I'll, I'll get, I thankfully I've heard stories of some mediums, like really feeling the method of passing. I just get my attention called to certain areas of my body. Yeah. Thank goodness spirit. I know you're listening. Let's keep it that way. That's been working for me. Great. You know, so, so uh, it's just so nice to hear some of the similarities that we have. And, um, you know, I, I, my, previous job uh before I went into doing mediumship work full time um I traveled a lot and I stayed in this old hotel that had like all these awful things happen inside of it and it was so funny because I was on with my I had a therapy appointment and I'm on zoom with my therapist I'm inside this hotel my therapist um who I talk about quite a lot he was like um I'm not trying to alarm you but I keep seeing these flashes of little white light that just keep flying by your head as we talk mm-hmm. where are you I was like oh yeah I'm in this really haunted hotel a lot of people have died here like tragic things about it and I'm just saying it with this like joy and he was like uh are you okay like it's so it's so it's just super funny right but then I think sometimes as mediums like we just kind of get used to being in places with a lot of energy or a lot of residual energy right like but it's it's so cool when those things happen um not cool that the event happened that caused the energy to be there but really awesome to pick up on it for sure um and then the last question that I have and I really like this question a lot is um how do your spirit guides work with you and your mediumistic ability if you use spirit guides in in that that fashion? Yes. Oh, yes, I do. I mean, I use connection to spirit and whoever comes mm-hmm. in. For me, it's mostly humans and well, not mm-hmm. exclusively, but like humans who I would have known. So my husband, I've it's wild, but I have incredible relationships with all of my grandparents mm. on in spirit and we weren't particularly close when they were here but Mm -hmm. we've just grown together and they've given so much evidence to help our family it's just it's been really beautiful so I think for me it's like on a personal level it's been really about cultivating relationships with people on the other side Mm. and cultivating relationships to just get to know each other and grow together yeah and then with that 
I know that they're involved in the, the work. I know that Bruno is doing the work that I do. Like he mm-hmm. comes through all the time. Um, I know that he's helped me massively and obviously in my own grief and I've helped him in his healing. It's been this very symbiotic mm-hmm. support that we always had, but it's, I mean, our relationship now it's wild and I miss him tremendously and I always will. And like, I, I miss my husband. He's, he, you know, up in, he's my soulmate for this life. Like I know that. Mm-hmm. And even given that by what we've developed with him in spirit, in many ways, I feel like our love is even bigger now. Mm there's no facade there's it's so transparent like we can't hide anything from each other and there's no reason to um I know that they guide me forward in the work that I'm doing I know that and they help me believe they drop pieces of evidence to help me continue growing mediumistically to help me continue believing in myself and believing in this work um and they remind me oh again all of my throat (laughs) excuse me (laughs) They remind me I mean, why I'm doing this work. Again, if I could have a choice, like, I don't know, maybe I'd choose to be a zoologist or something. I don't know. But <laughs> something like, I don't know, or like working a tiki bar in the Caribbean somewhere. I don't know. But that's not, or maybe that will be another chapter of life. Who knows? But I know right now my purpose, I know my purpose is to help bring forth mediumship and other intuitive practices, but really for me, mediumship and demonstrate the evidential clinical viability as a healing modality. Like it's that. And, and to that end also helping elevate in a very like grounded human way, but soulful as well, the work of mediums and our work together. And part of the reason why I speak so openly about my grief and my pain and how it's intersected my mediumship, but also receiving mediums is I've very, very much been on the client side. I still am many times, but also sharing my experience from, from that end of what works as in my experience as a griever and acute griever, um, where are opportunities to make this again, more kind of clinically informed and clinically viable. And, and I guess I'll say as well, this is kind of opening up this beautiful chapter that's building on the research. So with the client or the, um, well, there will be, yes, fine. Well, but backing up. So with my colleague, um, Kate Stakeholm, who I mentioned before, we are getting ready to launch. Uh, this is like spirit child of our project from our like blood, sweat and tears, soul, everything. I know this is why she and I were brought together, but it's an institute to help bring together clinical mental health practices and mediumship and mutual trainings to help normalize bringing up mediumship and bringing in mediums into grief and trauma healing to help bring in trauma-informed approaches to mediumship and help our two worlds begin to be in conversation. Um, These worlds of mental health and grief counseling, it is not divisible from spiritual work in my view and our mind is not divisible from our spirit nor our body we're all of these things and so we want to use both our professional backgrounds and our training as you know trauma-informed social workers um you know in deep in this field in kind of the material world and bring it into the mediumship side and say let's union these let's bring them together and how can we be in conversation to elevate this work in a really beautiful, credible, impactful, transformative way that opens up and is accessible to even more people. Dr. Matthew, this has been just such a beautiful conversation today, and I appreciate you so much. Please let our listeners know where can they find you and keep up with all of the amazing things that you're doing. 
Amazing. So you can find me on my website at drlenorematthew.com. It's D-R-L-E-N-O-R-E-M-A-T-T-H-W. And then on Instagram at the same, Facebook, and now Threads. <laughs> and now Threads. And we'll have all of that information also linked in our episode notes for anyone listening who would like to keep up on the fabulous journey of Dr. Lenore Matthew. I promise that you will not be disappointed. Um Dr. Lenore Matthew, thank you so much for everything that you are putting into the world and that you are contributing to the, not only the mediumship space, but just the healing space in the world in general. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I love you. I'm incredibly proud of you and we'll see you really soon.